0: we get to continue in our series on the book of Philippians today I just want to say quickly uh, for next week uh, we are going to be doing our remembrance service um, every year we try to make a big deal of the Sunday just before remembrance day and uh, so we're going to do that again this year we've got a bagpiper lined up uh, our hopefully a trumpet I'm on my third trumpet player so we pray that that one comes through uh, we've got some readings ready to go uh, yeah, we got a whole bunch of great stuff, so encourage you. It's one of the easiest services to invite a friend, a neighbor, a coworker worker to. Uh, just say, hey, my church makes a big deal of Remembrance Day. I should come and check it out, so encourage you to do that. Well, today is number seven in this Philippians series, and our passage today focuses on two friends of the Apostle Paul, Timothy and Epaphroditus, and two great young men that uh, God called into ministry they came alongside Paul and they really proved themselves as amazing faithful workers. Uh, Paul's connection with these two in particular with Timothy and Epaphroditus was was stronger and deeper than some of the other folks that he encountered. Uh, Paul met a lot of people in all of his years of church planting and his three missionary journeys evangelism, all of his writings of what has become the second half of the Bible. Uh, and that's pretty true to life, isn't it? Not every single we per, person we meet becomes our BFF, our best friend forever. But there's a special few in life that show us real warmth. They show us loyalty in the face of trouble, encouragement, and honesty when we get out of line. Or as uh, comedian Bernard Meltzer summarized it, a true friend, someone who thinks that you're a good egg, I can say that, even though they know that you're slightly cracked. I love that. There are true and special friends. Now, some people find it really easy in life to make a whole bunch of friends. Others find that extremely challenging. I love Rodney Dangerfield's quip. He says, once I told my dad, dad, nobody likes me. He said, don't say that, son. Not everyone has had a chance to meet you yet. But some of you are just still processing that. That's okay. The Apostle Paul had no such difficulties. He was good at making those deep and those lasting friendships. And Timothy and Epaphroditus are two amongst many, many others. From what we can tell, Paul wasn't kind of a really warm and cuddly, everybody's my best friend kind of person, but if you stuck with it and demonstrated a heart that was truly changed by the love of Jesus Christ, then Paul valued you immensely. And these two young men are exactly that. We're going to pick it up in verses 19 through 24 of chapter 2 of Philippians, and we're going to read about Timothy. I hope, therefore, to send him as soon as I see how things go with me, and am confident in the Lord that I myself will come soon. As we've done throughout this uh, journey through the book of Philippians, we want to refer to the backstory in the book of Acts. And we find Timothy showing up first in chapter 14 of Acts, and we find out that his hometown, Was Lystra. This is a map showing that. You can see where Philippi is. That's the modern day country of Turkey. That day it was called Asia Minor, run by the Romans. And uh, the modern day town, the ancient town was called Lystra. The modern day town is called Clistra. And uh, Paul comes into town on his very first missionary journey. And God uses Paul to dramatically heal a man who hadn't walked since birth. This guy was prone, lying on the ground, begging to survive. And this crowd is absolutely blown away and amazed that God heals this man. He stands up. He's, the text tells us he he's running and jumping. And they are just so astounded. And this is a very pagan town. This is the first kind of glimpse of Christianity coming to their town and so they don't even know how to interpret it and they kind of think well maybe the gods have come down. Uh, Johann Heiss painted this painting of the scene in 1678 and they interpret that well maybe the gods have come down. Paul does all the speaking so he must be the god Hermes and Barnabas has a beard and he looks pretty powerful. He must be Zeus. And so they, they call them and they try to worship them. And Paul and Barnabas stop them and say, no, 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 we're not gods. We're just, we're just people like you. But the one true God is working through us. And then a riot happens. Paul ends up getting beaten. Always makes me laugh. You can go from a hero to zero in no time at all. And uh, so Paul gets beaten, but God allows Paul to survive that beating. And, uh, and he gets back up. And undoubtedly, Timothy saw all of this as a young man, and he was greatly impressed. Now, when Paul comes back through years later on his second missionary journey, a church is going, it's planted, Timothy has been raised up, and he actually says, Paul, I want to become one of your workers. He signs up. He wants to be with Paul. And so they off they go. And they on that second missionary journey they end up in Philippi, and the church is established there. And then at one point we read in Acts 16 at the end that Paul had to leave Philippi and leave these other towns, and they left Timothy behind. And so Timothy is very special to this church in Philippi. They would see him as their guy. This is our young man. And uh, they would resonate with what Paul is saying about him. Now, by the time Paul writes this letter to the church in Philippi, he is under house arrest in Rome, as we've talked about, and Timothy would have been working with him for a number of years at this point. Timothy has really proved himself. He's a top-tier, class-one, character-driven man of God. But Paul mentions a couple specific characteristics that stand out for him. What's the first one? A heart for others. I love what the verse says it says i have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare timothy was others centered now if you want a report card for the christian life that is one of the major indicators of our spiritual growth as we move along have we as people matured in christ to the point where we actually show deep and genuine concern for others, for the welfare of someone else, not just us and our immediate family. This morning, I I want all of us, myself included, to do an inward assessment, a a little heart check. And if we dig down and find that truly at the bottom of our hearts, our attitude is, well, other people aren't my responsibility. I am responsible for myself, for my immediate family. Other people should get their act together and look after themselves. If that's what we discover at the bottom of our hearts, then truly we have a long way to go. The kingdom of God, the very nature of a local church that's a community of faith, requires that we actually genuinely care and look out for each other. Timothy demonstrated that kind of heart. Not surprisingly, Paul gives Timothy a second compliment. He says, but you you know that Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. Now, Paul was single. He had no wife, no children. Uh, So this is a metaphor. He's saying, Timothy is like a son to me. Paul, the battle-hardened missionary, is proud of Timothy. And he would have been proud if he had been his own biological son. And I look back after 13 years of ministry here at Ocean View Community Church and I am thankful for each and every one of you. Some folks that have been here and faithfully been a part of the church and now work or other situations have called them away. So many of you have sacrificially given to God's kingdom. Each of you have have faithfully prayed in the name of Jesus that God would do something amazing in our community. And many, many of you have jumped in and offered your time and served. And together, God has done some great things in this community. This week, I got to run into uh, Jackie Nelligan. She's the executive director of the Laugh Program here in town. If you're new to Lady Smith, it stands for Lady Smith uh, Friends and Family. And it's an incredible little organization that just looks after uh, parents with young children. And they put on midweek programs for children. They do all kinds of amazing stuff. And it was really fun to talk to Jackie this week, and she just kind of expressed her genuine appreciation for Ocean View. And uh, this is actually a picture from their Facebook page. It says, Laugh Volunteer Gigi with another beautiful donation from Ocean View Community Church. And that's what's grown in our garden boxes out there. Big thank you to Richard and all his volunteers. Uh, And. This past week, our harvesters took a load down to uh, the laugh program, and they came back and they were so impressed. They were telling me, you know what? They were making soup this week, and they're showing a lot of these young moms, young families that you can take fresh, great produce and turn it into something amazing and yummy that your kids will actually eat. They gave them the recipe. They gave them leftovers to take home. They're doing good work down there. And a number of years ago, the church uh, proved that I would have some time to go be on the laugh board, and I served on their their board of directors for a year. And then one of our eggs benefits, the last one we did, of raise money for the kids' play park. There's Aggie Hall down below, a parking lot, and then a green space. They've since built a gazebo. They got kids' play stuff in there. And so we contributed to that little park being built. And Jackie was just so thankful for all that the church had done to show the support for a great program in town and when I thought about that I thought you know what just like Paul looked back and he could see God's hand upon Timothy and how he had been faithful and not always in the easiest circumstances some of those places where Timothy went were pretty dangerous pretty hostile to the gospel and yet God did amazing things and I think, you know what? God's done that here, here, right here in our town. Well, Paul gives space to an other equally good co-worker, Epaphroditus. And we're going to pick up his story in verse 25. Paul writes, But I think it is necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger whom you sent to take care of my needs for he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill indeed he was ill and almost died but god had mercy on him and not only him but also on me to spare me sorrow upon sorrow therefore i'm all the more eager to send him so that you when you see him again you may be glad and i may have less anxiety so then welcome him in the lord with great joy honor people like him because he almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life to make up for the help you yourselves could not give. Pretty amazing guy. Now the very end of the book of Acts finishes with the Apostle Paul under house arrest in Rome. Luke tells us in Acts 28, the last two verses, for two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God, taught about Lord Jesus Christ, with all boldness and without hindrance. One of those people that Paul welcomed was this guy, Epaphroditus. We know from the end of Philippians that Epaphroditus actually brought a financial gift to the Apostle Paul to make sure he was looked after. It says in Philippians 4.18, I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. Now, we tend to think of prison in our modern Canadian terms, where we have some civility. We don't just put prisoners in a prison and let them starve to death. We make sure their needs are covered. Uh, That was not true in the Roman Empire. They did not give a rip if prisoners died. Uh, So Paul was on his own. He was under house arrest. If nobody brought him anything, he would simply die of starvation. See, to the Romans, they're like, who cares? Another prisoner dies? Perfect. Less people to have court cases about. Let's move on. So this gift from the church in Philippi is actually truly life-sustaining for the Apostle Paul. And I don't wonder if there wasn't a little effect on those guards that had to be chained up to him for four or five hours a day. You know, they would see people coming and bringing generosity to Paul. And they would think, wow, this guy is really loved. This is amazing. Now, living in the modern world, we have the benefit of centuries of technology, medical research, advancement in antibiotics, other medications, and we're pretty confident as modern people that we can get over illness and sickness. In fact, we're so used to it that when someone lingers with a, with a cold or a virus or something, and we go, man, it's taking you a long time to get over that. Uh, we're kind of shocked when it comes to routine illnesses. But in the first century, it was actually a complete flip. It was rare that someone would come back, that they would survive, that they could get over a really serious illness. Most times, those folks died. And this is the case with Epaphroditus. Whatever he got, whatever sickness it was, it was so severe that he was down and out halfway to Rome. He had started out with his gift, he made it halfway and got sick, and it was so bad that word actually reached back to the Philippian church. And they said, man, that guy you sent, he's near death. comedian once said to their best friend, oh man, I'd take a bullet for you. Not like in the head, but like in the leg or something. I'd I'd do that. But the crazy thing about Epaphroditus is that he actually was willing to give his very life for the cause of Christ. And so he takes this long journey. Now, sickness wasn't the only danger. When you went to... uh, on a long, long journey like that, if there was Roman soldiers around, they kind of made sure the whole thing was peaceful. They made sure that no one was going to get harmed. There was no riots. But the moment the soldiers were gone, the local bandits, the robbers, the street tuss would come out. And it's a pretty amazing thing that Epaphroditus, in his weakened condition, actually recovered and made it all the way to Rome. He had survived a lot of things. Now, we use Timothy's good characteristics, kind of a spiritual report card. Uh, What about risk for the sake of the kingdom of God? If we put it in modern day terms, would you be willing to go on a modern day missions trip? Maybe somewhere far away. Maybe you'd have to ask for time off work. Go without pay for a couple weeks. And maybe it's a place that's not totally safe. Something to think about. I think Epaphroditus' example challenges us not always to play it safe. Maybe Jesus is calling us to take a little bit of risk in our lives. Well, the great Christian writer and professor J.I. Packer said that these great kind of characters in the Bible, when we pick up the Bible and we read about people like, like Timothy and Epaphroditus, he said it's like being in a classroom. And the teacher takes one of your fellow students aside and helps them understand something or gives them kudos or praise for something they do well, and you can listen in. He said, that's what it's like for us to hear what God said to these great characters. Or, or maybe a work situation where, where a boss takes your coworker aside and, and says, you know, here's what you did great, here's what didn't go so well, and you kind of overhear and you go, oh, take note. I should do those things too. That's the power of people like this, where we can see God so clearly at work in the life of Timothy and Epaphroditus. We get to overhear this conversation that God is having, the work that he did almost 2,000 years later. And we can see the moral and spiritual formation that Christ worked in their lives. And I hope that you can be challenged and inspired by that. When Paul told the Philippians to honor people like him, honor people like Epaphroditus, I think the Holy Spirit intended those words for us as well. Amen? Amen. Debbie, please come and pray for us.